0: Broadcasting this evening from the mothership, the great WABC in New York. New York's looking really good today, I might say. I must say. Mostly because the mayor, DiCameo, is out campaigning. And he's attending these events. And the only way they can lure people in to go to these events is to offer them donuts, I think. Uh, But the guy's a joke. He reminds me of Comey. He's, he's another kind of big, awkward uh, liar. But anyway, later in the program, we're going to have Donald Trump Jr. I taped him earlier today, and he's fascinating and really smart, and I've never talked to him before, ever. So uh, he will talk and does talk a little bit about the subpoena issue and his demand that he testify – among many other things, reminds me a lot of his dad. Uh, He's very strong in character. He's very courageous, fights. And I think that's why you like this family. I mean, my wife and I were talking about this. Look at Trump's kids, Don Jr., Ivanka, Eric. These are all successful kids. And, you know, the left will say, well, big deal. Look at the start they had. You have very wealthy families uh, where a kid or two turns out pretty poorly. Maybe they do drugs. Maybe they're just lazy. You know, uh, maybe they turn on their parents. That's not here. I mean, look at Ronald Reagan. And look at his daughter, quite frankly. Throughout his career, she was a pain in the ass. With all due respect, of course. With all due respect. But his kids are smart and loyal. And compare his kids to, like, Chelsea Clinton. Not particularly bright. Or what happened to the Obama girls? We're not allowed to talk about them, remember? We can only talk about uh, Trump's kids and you have to attack them. Uh, So uh, just wanted to point that out. We'll be airing that in the last hour. And and it is a fascinating interview. He's a fascinating young man. Again, I've never talked to him before. What if I told you that Diane Frankenfeinstein was on the telephone, an iPhone of all things, an unsecure iPhone... And she was talking to an individual by the name of Javad Zarif. You'd say, Good, who the hell's that? He's Iran's foreign minister. He's the foreign minister to an enemy state that seeks to attack American military personnel in the Middle East, that seeks to put nuclear warheads on ICBMs so they can reach the United States. It is a terrorist regime, an Islamo Nazi regime in Tehran that has killed Americans. That funds Hezbollah to kill Americans. That funds Hamas to kill. And it is a threat to our national security, obviously. What in the hell is the ranking Democrat on the Senate Intelligence Committee doing? Talking on an iPhone around the Capitol to Zavad, Javad Sarif, yabba dabba And this was caught by a gentleman, but I believe it was Jake Sherman. He posted it. Dianne Feinstein was walking around the Capitol with her iPhone in hand, and Jay Zarif's contact page opened. Zarif is Iran's foreign minister. A few minutes after I spotted her with her cell phone, she released a statement saying Zarif didn't want war. And what is it with these Democrats fronting for this Islamo-Nazi regime that wants to kill Americans and Jews in Israel? You've got Frankenfeinstein, you've got the real Feinstein, a.k.a. John Kerry, or the real Frankenstein, giving aid and comfort to the enemy. It's not enough that they released $150 billion to this regime. Now they're giving it advice against the president of the United States. So you want to talk about the Logan Act? You want to talk about collusion? It's incredible. So her communications director, right after she saw this guy, Jake Sherman... Uh, see who she was talking to on her iPhone. Her communications guy, Tom Menzer, Menzer, uh, in response to whether or not the senator had been talking with Iran's foreign minister, said, I can't comment on who the senator does or doesn't speak with. Then they issued a statement right away, around 3 p.m., War isn't necessary to solve a problem when both sides want a solution. I urge Secretary Pompeo to reach out to Foreign Minister Zavad Zarif, who I know doesn't want to see a conflict with the United States. So now she's a mouthpiece for the enemy. A mouthpiece for the enemy. She sits on the Senate Intelligence Committee. For years, she had a driver who was a communist spy for Red China. Her husband has done business, a lot of business. With communist China. They've made a lot of money. Doing business with communist China. She's been sitting on that damn intelligence committee. Anybody going to subpoena her. About her phone call. Anybody going to subpoena her. About her driver. Anybody going to subpoena her husband. About his business dealings with red China. Of course not. It all goes one way. Anybody going to subpoena her. And question her. About her contacts. With the foreign minister of Iran and any other contacts she may have had undermining this administration. Can you imagine? Be like World War II, you have FDR and then you have senators contacting the Third Reich. Dianne Feinstein, she won't pay a price for this. She'll sit there with that dumb look on her face, whether it's on the Senate Judiciary Committee or the Senate Intelligence Committee. With people handing her notes. So she can actually ask questions. Oh, where are my notes? Uh, what, what, what hearing is this? Kavanaugh? No, no, that that that's over. Oh, well, who we talk? Who's in? Oh, the Attorney General, Attorney General Sessions. No, no, it's Barr. Oh, okay, what number am I on? Two, one, three. What are the questions you have in front of me. She's absolutely clueless, and when she has a clue, she's absolutely left wing. So I think we need some answers to this, and so. We'll go to CNN. I'm sure they'll cover this thoroughly. Jim Schudo, he has a new book out. He worked for Obama. He was a special assistant to Obama on national security. Now he works for CNN. I'm sure he'll track this down. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe he won't. Let's go to Jake Tapper. We know he'll track it down. He was a mouthpiece for Marjorie Mezvinsky Margolis or whatever the hell it was. A liberal Democrat out of Pennsylvania and handgun controlling. I'm sure he'll track this down. Or Wolf Blitzer. First of all, who the hell calls their son Wolf? That's what I want to know. When you have a last name Blitzer, you better work hard on that first name. But apparently they didn't. How about that little creep, uh, what's his name, Brian Stelter? Is it Stelter, Seltzer, Seltzer? I don't know what his name is. By the way, you need a new barber. Good Lord. Brian Stelter, what's a reliable sources? Reliable sources, Brian Stout there. I'm sure he'll track this down. Who else is on that pathetic carbon footprint? Let's see, who's the morning? Oh, Camarada, Allison Camarada, Dumb as a flounder. Absol- Jake Tapper's the night guy. He's not the morning guy. You can see the crew's listening very attentively behind the glass here at our, at our mothership, the great WABC. Oh, and then there's Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo worked very, very hard to get on CNN. He was born. And then you have Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Do they come any dumber than Don Lemon? That stupid look on his face. That stupid look on his face as he goes on and on, all excited about leaks about Donald Trump. I'll tell you, that's CNN. They wonder why their negative ratings, their ratings are going down. Because even their dumb base has had enough of it. So they go over to MSNBC. And what do you got over there at MSNBC? Well, the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. What a team that is. You know, Mika, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And you know, Mika, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, this is a guy who had his head so far up, you know what? Rooting for him during the Republican primaries. And all of a sudden, there's a personal spat between our president And the morning schmo. And the morning schmo turns on the president every day. He's Hitler, the Nazis. Maybe he's Stalin. We have a dictatorship. Our system's broken. Why aren't the Republicans like me? The conservatives have sold out unlike me marrying Brzezinski and being on such a great conservative network and on and on. It's a whole conga line of freaks over there at MSLSD working its way right up to Rachel Madcow. And her conspiracy theories on Russia. I'm sure they're all gonna track track down Diane Frankenstein and get to the bottom of this. She's on the phone with Zavad Sarif. Now Don Trump Jr. has a meeting with a couple of Russians. Meeting turns out to nothing, and it's the crime of the century. Except Mueller says it's not, but the media says it is. Here you have Diane Frankenstein on her damn cell phone. With the foreign minister of Iran. Anybody want to know what they discussed? No, no. no. That's Diane. We like that. Diane's good. Don't let that dumb look on her face deceive you. She's really smart. She's at least a 19 IQ. Then they put out a statement lecturing this secretary of state. I'm telling you, this party is nuts. It's absolutely. Who's dumber? Frankenstein or Stretch Pelosi? They both come out of the same city. And what a great job they've done in that city. Apparently, there's fecal matter all over the place, syringes all over the place, tent cities all over the place. It's a sanctuary city, they say. Sanctuary city. It's not a sanitized city. It's a sanctuary city. Well, I have to ask this. If you're an illegal alien, why the hell would you want to settle there at this point? To be perfectly honest with you, with the tent cities, You go go to Los Angeles, look there. They got typhoid typhoid in Los Angeles. Typhoid? What is this, Bangkok? You got typhoid, you got measles, you got uh, dysteria. I don't know what the hell's going on, but these are great Democrat cities. And they send these geniuses to Washington, D.C. to nationalize their agenda. Did you hear this idiot Pelosi today? Even before I get to our president. Did you hear this? The president wants merit-based immigration. Isn't that what we want? Merit-based immigration. You know, when you went to Ellis Island, it was all about merit. You have a job. You got money. You go into a job. You got a family here legally. Any diseases? Can you speak English? No, no, no. Get out. Yes, yes, yes. Come in. Not today. Today, if you touch your toe over the border, oh, the noblest human being on the face of the earth. Don't listen to these idiot American citizens. They're all racist. They're all whatever. No, you're an illegal. Every person overseas is a noble person. Every culture overseas is spectacular. And, of course, we want to import all of it into the country to destroy our welfare state, destroy, destroy our electoral system, destroy our culture, and start all over again. Turn us into a typhus-infested Needle-infested, fecal-infested San Francisco. Listen to this idiot, Nancy Stretch Pelosi. Now, if you haven't listened to this program, shame on you. But if you have, you know what I mean by stretch. Her eyeballs are popping out of her head like ping pong balls. She doesn't blink. You know what that's from? Three, four facelifts. That's what that's from. That's right. I said it. So what? I didn't do it. She did it. And that big, dumb husband of hers, Paul Pelosi. Where's Paul? Paul's made millions and millions of dollars on real estate and financial investments. What do we know about Paul? Nothing. He looks like a uh, department store dummy. He stands next to his wife there. She's going on and on with that goofy grin and her eyeballs popping out of her head. And there's big, dumb Paul Pelosi. Meanwhile, he's made tens of millions of dollars. Where are their tax returns? Why aren't their children subpoenaed? Ah, if I were in charge of the world, it'd be completely different. Here's Nancy Stretch Pelosi today at a press conference. Let's see, first of all, if she's coherent. Cut nine, go.
2: But I want to just say something about the word that they use, merit. It is really a condescending word. So you you
0: see, merit is a condescending word. The country's all about merit, right? But for Nancy Pelosi, merit is a condescending word. No, stupid's a condescending word, and you're quite stupid. But merit is a condescending word. All you folks out there who are working hard to be successful, whatever you are, plumber, electrician, truck driver, doctor, lawyer, you own a pizzeria, whatever it is, all you people trying to be successful based on merit, you understand? That's a condescending word. But I can understand why she doesn't like that word. She didn't get her job based on merit. She got her job based on seniority, based on the vicious clawing her way up the ladder, dragging the guy in front of her down in order to climb up on his shoulders or her shoulders. You don't need merit to be Speaker of the House. Oh, and by the way, isn't this sexist? All you women out there who've been working, who've climbed the ladder, who've worked hard, who are successful, apparently you didn't get there because of merit. Merit's a nasty word. You see how the left does this? It's Marxist and Wonderland around here. If you're wealthy and you're successful and you, and, you, and you hire tens of thousands of people, you're bad. If you're a poor slob, you take from society, you give nothing back your entire life, you're good. If you're an American citizen, you're suspect. You're bad. If you're an illegal alien, you're noble. You're good. Well, I have a question then. Why doesn't Nancy Pelosi step down and insist that a person of color replace her or anybody for that matter? She's a rich, white, straight woman. I'll be right back. Mark in. the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimis absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right, you can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit inprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Inprimus. I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S Hillsdale, E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Then you have this guy, Richard Blumenthal, somehow got elected senator from Connecticut. So, all you zombies out there, uh, you all have a chance. This Richard Blumenthal looks like he comes out of a crypt. I mean, he worked his way up as a combat veteran in Vietnam. Oh, wait a minute. He wasn't? So he lies his way to Attorney General Connecticut in the nutmeg state. Then he he gets elected to the Senate because they like a pathetic, loathsome liar. Apparently, it's very popular in the state of Connecticut in the nutmeg state. And uh, he's on every imaginable media platform. Does this guy ever actually serve in the United States Senate? What does he do? What has he got – Is he wearing campers or something because he doesn't even have time to go to the restroom? Wait until you hear what this genius had to say. You look at the Democrat Party, quite frankly. That's a real zoo over there. It, it, It is ugly. It is repulsive. I'm talking about what's between their ears. When we return, little Dick Blumenthal. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions.
2: Mark Levin, a champion of freedom.
1: You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the
0: English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. We don't hear from the vice president anymore. Matter of fact, let me tell you something. We've tried to get Tom Cotton on this program many times here and on TV, and uh, he'll show up anywhere. He'll go on shows that have no ratings, like uh, Firing Line. What's her name? Margaret Hoover. He's trying to sell books, but he won't go on my shows. I don't even know how I offended the guy, but so be it. Marco Rubio, we put a call out to him as Deputy Chief of the and we're busy. I'm not asking these guys anymore. Every time when their campaigns come up, they want to come on the show. Ain't happening. By the way, uh, I want the uh, chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. You notice they call it the Senate Intelligence Committee. Any committee that Diane Fein- Frankenfeinstein is on cannot be an Intelligence Committee, it should be the Senate No Intelligence Committee. So they have a chairman of that committee, Richard Burr. So you got Dick Burr, who's chairman of that committee. You got Richard Blumenthal out of Connecticut. Dick Blumenthal from Connecticut. You got uh, Richard Durbin from Illinois. Dick Durbin. So I'm thinking there's a lot of of Richards out there. You get my drift? In the United States Senate. A lot of Richards. What did you think I was going to say? So uh, we have uh, Little Dick Blumenthal from the uh, nutmeg state. And what's with the nutmeg state? What the hell is nutmeg? What is it? it You bake cakes with nutmeg? Why would you do that? Why would you say that in a state? That's like saying uh, the sprinkle state. Anyway, uh, where were we? So uh, we have uh, Little Dick Blumenthal on Capitol Hill today. Cut, 10, go. It's a real look into the soul of who Donald Trump Stop is. right there. You're looking into the soul of Donald Trump. This is a hack politician who lied about his background to get elected. You're looking into the soul of Donald Trump. Every time I think of this guy, I think of a guy on the corner wearing a raincoat. Am I alone in this? Just listen to his voice. Come over here. I have something to show you. No, no, no. It's not what you think. Cut, 10, go. It's a real look into the soul of who Donald Trump is. He, I think, fails to realize how he happens to be here in this country. It's because. Now, what what the hell is this guy rambling on about? I think he fails to realize how he happened. And the media find this guy spectacular. Uh, go get, uh, go get little Dick Blumenthal, will you? Uh, we need, we, we need some expert input here. If you can't find him, uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Nadler, we like Jerry Nadler. Can't find Jerry? Go get Adam Schiff. He's, he's a good one. Over and over. They loop these guys in. Blumenthal, Schiff, Nadler, Nadler, Blumenthal, Schiff, then Waters. Blumenthal, Schiff, uh, Nad, Waters. It sounds like a song. Same damn thing. Stillwall, what's that idiot's name running for president? Swalwell. Eric Swalwell. You need a calculator to keep up with all these candidates running on the Democrat side, don't you? I feel like they went to an insane asylum and then emptied the place and said, all right, you're running for president, you're running for president, you're running for president. Me? I have to get a haircut. Oh, no, Beto, sit down and shut up. I want everybody to see I'm getting my teeth clean. Excuse me? This apparently appeals to millennials. Oh, okay. And I apologize. I'm white. I'm male. I'm straight. I'm rich. I'm sorry. If you're that sorry, why are you running for president of the United States? I don't understand this. Nobody likes a weak man, Beto, just so you know. Nobody likes a weak man like you. Anyway, back to little Dick Blumenthal. From the nutmeg state. Cut 10. Go. My grandfather came here, as did my father, without Well, education. may I say this with all due respect? I wish they hadn't come here. Because look what they spawned. You. No offense. No offense. Go ahead. Without speaking English, it is despicable democracy. You, sir, are a despicable liar. Because my ancestors came here, too, probably through the same ports of entry as yours. And they were required to show some ability to speak English. Here's another thing they were required to show, that they would be patriotic Americans, that they would assimilate into our culture, that they wouldn't be uh, uh, dregs or drags, I should say, on society. Now it's uh, you came into the country. Hey, what can we give you we have food stamps? What else? Health care, uh, three square meals. Uh, we'll get you medical. T- we'll take good care of you. How dare you separate them? This wasn't even in the discussion a hundred years ago. People were just glad to be here and be free. Now you've got to be part. Of, uh, you can't use the word merit because, you see, that's now racist, and I can understand that in the Democrat Party, I really can, because merit's a uh, is a very bad merit. So when Nancy Pelosi got that plastic surgery, I'm just I'm just saying, she can deny it. She can call here and deny. It. No, I didn't. Anyway, uh, what did she do? When she looked for, looks when anybody when you look for a surgeon, you... I don't want anyone based on merit, because that's racist. We know what that means. We know what that implies. We don't want anyone based on merit. No. None of that. We don't want to know what their history is, what their record is. That's racist. We don't want to know anything about them. Go ahead and cut. She thinks we're all idiots, this Nancy Pelosi. She doesn't live this way. Don't use the word merit. It's condescending. Merit is condescending. Where'd they find this person anyway? I'm quite serious. Can't in the whole damn country we can't find a better speaker of the house. She sounds like what are, what, are, what are those guys' names? Oh, they don't know. Anyway, so uh Merit. Can't have merit. That's the Speaker of the House. Oh, and by the way, you know what else she said today? Cut seven, go. The Democrats have been saying that the issue over at,
1: at the border was simply a manufacturer crisis. Uh, now as far so away. the
0: Democrats, she says, good reporter, like to know her name. I'm sure she'll be fired tomorrow. Good reporter says, you know, you've said this is a manufactured crisis over and over again. Now, what do you say now, Nancy? Go ahead.
2: Well, let me just say this. We have never not said that there was a there is a humanitarian crisis at the border, and some of it uh, uh, provoked by the actions taken by the... All right, all right
0: let, let's just stop there. First of all, the broken English. You know what? If she was trying to get into the country, she wouldn't make it, because she doesn't know how to speak English either. We have never not said there was a crisis. Can you make any heads or tails out of that? We have never not said there is... A, we have never not said. So there are two negatives. They cancel out each other. So she's confessing. Of course we said there was a crisis, but we never not said there was a crisis. You know what? End of the line, you. No, no, no. It shouldn't be based on merit. There's a never not, I have never not said there was a crisis. There's a humanitarian crisis. And you know whose fault it is? Guess. Trump's. It's Trump's fault. That millions and millions of people are rushing the border, even though he's trying to build a fence, even though he's putting the military there, even though he's trying to deter it, even though he's trying to increase deportation. It's Trump's fault. I never not said that there was a crisis on the border. You know, she sounds like Sharpton. I never not said that there was a crisis on the border. I said there was a humanitarian crisis. Hey, idiot. What do you think everybody's been talking about? That's what we're saying. You said it was a manufactured crisis. It's a manufactured crisis. They went on and on and on. One after another said it. On one phony news show after another. They brought in uh, little Dick uh, Blumenthal. I never not said it was a crisis. They brought in, uh, what's that, Nadler. I never not said it was a crisis. They bring it up. I never not said it was a crisis. The crisis I said there was, there was not, there never was, is the constitutional crisis. Oh, right. Bring it back. There's a constitutional crisis. There's a constitutional crisis. There's a constitutional crisis. But I never not said that there was a humanitarian... Go ahead. And uh, the... Uh, I'll just <laughs> our friends from the... Um, <laughs> ...evangelical
2: community. What? When they came in and testified in the last Congress in one of our romp hearings... Uh, hold
0: on, hold on, hold on here. And... <laughs> I will just quote our friends from the evangelical. You don't have any friends in the evangelical community. When they came in and testified in the last Congress on one of our rump, they have a rump hearing. The hell does that mean, a rump hearing? Now, as I see it, they're all rump hearings. They're all bunch of rumps. As far as I'm concerned, we had a rump hearing. What is a rump hearing? I've been around a long time. I don't know what a rump hearing is, quite frankly. Everybody moon or something? All right, go ahead. Republicans wouldn't have the hearing. They oh, in... it's the Republicans' fault. Trump and the Republicans. <laughs> we were uh, never not ever had a crisis at the border, but we had a humanitarian crisis. And in one of our rump hearings when my evangelical friends came in, <laughs> whatever it is, it's the Republicans' fault.
2: Go ahead. The uh, refugee resettlement program... The United States' Refugee Resettlement Program is the crown jewel of American humanitarianism. <laughs> no,
0: no, wait a minute. It's the crown jewel of American humanitarianism? Does she mean world humanity I think she means world humanitarianism. Why does she always sound like there's an endless happy hour going on in her speaker's office, quite frankly? or Or pot for all, like Colorado. Pot frost. Something's going on in that speaker's office. Is she inhaling helium before she goes to the press. I don't know what's going on. But now you know why she opposes merit. I like. <laughs> you can say. You know what, Nancy? You didn't get to where you are because of merit. What are you misogynist? What, what are you? What are you against women? What are you, What, what are you? No, no. You said that. You never not did say that. I remember you never not did say that. What? Where's my coffee? All right, I'll be right back. March- Love in. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arne argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings, that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale Now, whenever you want a good quote, you go to a losing Republican presidential candidate by the name of Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney's having a midlife crisis. Problem is, it's not midlife, but he's having a crisis. Now, I have not never said that he wasn't having a crisis, but he is having a crisis. Uh, Cut 11, go.
3: You had a Facebook video talking about the border crisis. Um, calling after calling it a crisis, how come you voted for the um, blocking of the uh, national emergency, the president's national emergency?
0: Uh, there's a hold cons- on, hold on, hold on. What? Uh, what? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Approach to providing for uh, border fencing, uh, and I believe we have, uh, and the president, had access
1: to the necessary billions of dollars to uh, uh, be able to provide that uh, that fencing
0: uh, and felt that the emergency declaration was unnecessary uh, and was uh, uh, not consistent with constitutional principles. Hey, Mitt, may I ask you a few questions? May I call you Mitt? What was his real name? It was some bizarro. I oh, yeah, well, we'll stick with Mitt. At least it's not Richard. Mitt, let me ask you a question. May I? Yes. Um, What was unconstitutional? Let's try this. Willard, that's right. So I'd call my kid Mitt if his first name was Willard too, quite frankly. Anyway, Mitt, let me ask you a question. Uh, Did Congress pass the National Emergencies Act in 1976? Mitt, were you any good at the SAT multiple choice? This is true and false. Answers, yes. Yes. Did Congress pass the budgets funding the Immigration Service and the Department of Defense? Yes. Did they allow for the president to move the funds around in case of emergencies and so forth? Yes. Have other people triggered the National Emergencies Act of 1976? Yes. Over four dozen times. Did you say anything about it, Mitt? No. Why are you being such an ass? That's the question. Why are you straight out of the box? You're elected. It was a tough election there in Utah, wasn't it, Mitt? You come straight out of the box. You start attacking the president. You know what? I think I'm going to write an op-ed in the Washington Post. I'm going to set everything. And you lie. When you ran for the Senate, you were a Trump supporter. You were prepared to be appointed Secretary of State under Donald Trump. Now you're like, uh, you become Jeff Flake. In fact, you're Mitt Flake. You want to know the truth. That's your new name, Mitt Flake. Forget Willard, forget Romney. Forget Willard, forget Romney. It's Mitt Flake. And so all of a sudden, Mitt Flake is anti-Trump. Well, you know, uh, the wall... Let me tell you something, folks. The wall is being built. By the end of the first term of the Trump presidency, he's going to have built almost 500 miles of the wall. Legally, under the National Emergencies Act of, did I say 1976? Under funding provided, did I say... By Congress, to our immigration services, and to our Defense Department, he's going to have half a thousand, five hundred new miles of wall built. No thanks to Mitt Flake. No thanks to Mitt Flake. And I really wish uh, he would do it in a constitutional basis. But, of course... Uh Mitt would prefer nothing get done, because that's typically what the Republicans do. They do nothing. The Democrat, hey, you know what? The Democrats say, hey, you know what? If they can do this for, for the National Emergencies Act, they can do a wall. We can do it on guns. Now, why is that nonsense? We have what's called the Bill of Rights. We have the Second Amendment. So even if you can't count, it's one, two, the Second Amendment. That Second Amendment can't be changed by a statute. Is there a wall in the Constitution? I wish there were. Is there? No. So you follow the statutory process. But then we have the Constitution. And by the way, have you heard these Democrats like this Kamala? Is it Kamala or Kamala? What, what is she calling herself today? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris says, by executive order, I'm going to outlaw uh, automatic weapons, semi-automatic weapons. By, by executive order. And then they call Trump a dictator. They want to nationalize everything. They want to take control of our economy. They want to, oh, the Green New Deal. I like that sound, the Green New Deal. It's the old Red New Deal. They want to take over the private sector, wealth tax, 90% marginal rate tax, and they call Trump a dictator. I'll be right back.
1: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader,
0: Mark
3: Levin. Hello,
0: everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Let me give you a little bit of information about our incredible media schedule when it comes to unfreedom of the press. And it has already engendered a lot of discussion and interest. Tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, a full hour, a special Hannity TV on Fox, one-on-one. Now, I know that's going to be fascinating, so I hope you'll join us there. Saturday night with the great Jesse Waters. I'll be on about 10 minutes there. Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. On Life, Liberty and Levin. It'll be Pete Hegseth and me discussing freedom of the Press. And he is terrific. All these people are terrific. Tuesday morning when the book is released. This Tuesday, it's what, five days from now. Five days from now. I'll be on Fox and Friends. I believe I'm going to be on the Shannon Bream show either Wednesday or Thursday night live as well. She's a lovely lovely person. Saturday, we have Saturday here again. Let me pick the. Oh, Saturday night. Judge Janine. I really like Judge Janine. She's got a lot of courage. She just lost her mother, so I know how she's feeling about that. And we'll be on that program too. And then Sunday, not this Sunday, the next Sunday, I'll be on Fox and Friends Sunday. We'll also be starting our book tour. Book tour, it's four book signings, three in one weekend, uh, two in one weekend. So, Saturday the 25th at 1 p.m., a wonderful independent bookstore bookends. In Ridgewood, New Jersey. Bookends in Ridgewood, New Jersey. This is on my MarkLevinShow.com website. And we're going to post it immediately now on the social sites too. Sunday, the 26th, 1 p.m., another wonderful independent bookstore, book review on Long Island. And we're going to post that too. But Mark, it's Memorial Weekend. Well, of course. It's the perfect time for us to get together, isn't it? The following Saturday, June 1st, 10 a.m., Barnes & Noble at Tyson's Corner Mall, Vienna, Virginia, or McLean, Virginia. They go back and forth. They're right on the line there. It's at the mall there. Everybody around there knows where it is. We look forward to seeing you there. And, of course, then the following Saturday... June 8th, the Reagan Library, and you'll still have an opportunity to get in line and have your book signed there, even though the discussion and the dinner portion are sold out. So that's what we have right now, and I hope to see all of you there. But what I'm hoping you'll do right now is drop whatever you're doing. But I'm driving. You know what I mean? Drop whatever you're doing now or soon. And please go to Amazon.com, get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press before this uh, takes off on Tuesday so you can get your first edition, it's a first edition copy, at 40% off. Now, they've been changing it from time to time to 30, 35, it's 40% off. We've been, I am told, number eight on the overall list all day long. I'd love to see if we can get in the top five. Like I told you before, we're going to need to get way ahead for the New York Times bestseller list. Why do we want to be number one on the New York best Times uh, bestseller? Well, first of all, you always want to be number one, don't you? It's called merit. Merit. Nancy Pelosi. Merit. Because we still believe in merit because we're Americans. You, I don't know. Uh, That's number one. But number two... And this is the real reason. And you understand if you've been listening to this program. I have an entire chapter, chapter six, that truly exposes the New York Times and its abominable conduct during World War II and the Holocaust. And before that, 1932 to 33, Stalin and the slaughter of the Ukrainians. What the New York Times did has not been well exposed. In the popular culture. And I'm doing it. And I'm doing it. And I don't know how we're supposed to believe a newspaper that tried to cover up the Holocaust and cover up Stalin's genocide. And I want you and me to press the case that we want a free press. We want our free press back. And the greatest danger to freedom of the press today is the media. It's CNN. In MSNBC, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post. And no, we don't seek government intervention. You and I, we actually believe in the Constitution. We believe in the Bill of Rights, all of them, First and Second Amendments among the rest. They don't. They don't believe in l- religious liberty. Ask the people who they demand to bake cakes. They don't believe in religious liberty. Ask the people who put manger scenes in the public square. They don't believe in freedom of speech. They believe in the freedom of their own speech. They would love to see Fox News shut down. Not because Fox News is a solely conservative organization. It's not. But it's not a solely progressive organization either. And that's just not good enough for them. They'd love to see talk radio shut down. They lead boycotts the media against Fox, against Fox hosts, against talk radio and talk hosts. So they don't embrace freedom of speech. They don't embrace freedom of the press. We do. And they're destroying themselves. Half the country. Half the country. Almost all Republicans, a vast majority of Republicans anyway, do not trust the press. A vast majority of Democrats do. What does that tell you? When we play these montages on the air with these so-called journalists and so-called expert guests that the journalists bring on and the And the news hosts and anchors, supposedly, who they bring on, and they all say the same thing. It's because it's packed journalism. It's groupthink. They live in the same areas. They report from the same areas. They have the same mindset. There's not a dime's worth of difference between the Democrat Party and the mass media today. There's not. There's few exceptions. But on the whole. They have pushed this Russia collusion thing to the brink. The president's right. It's fake news or what I call a pseudo event. We're living with these false realities, these pseudo events, where now all of a sudden we're in a constitutional crisis. Why? Because Jerry Nadler says so. And whatever Jerry Nadler says, well, it must be true. We're going to go through all this and on freedom of the press. We're going to go through the history of the press. We're going to do it all. And I want to thank the media platforms that are out there, Hannity and Waters, our friends at Fox and Friends, Hegseth, Bream, and so many others, for your courage, because it takes courage to do this. I could be Mitt Romney. You're Mitt Romney. You're in the club. I could sit here and trash the president of the United States. You'd be in the club in two seconds. You'd be in the New York Times, the Washington Post. That's the problem. That's the problem. You can't tell news from opinion on CNN. You don't know who's doing what. You can't tell news from opinion on MSNBC, on NBC, on CBS, on ABC. The statistics are in. The statistics are in. They're pro-Democrat, anti-Republican. They're anti-Trump, pro-any candidate who runs against him. You're seeing all these polls right now. Why are we seeing all these polls right now? Why do any of these polls matter? I don't care who's putting them out. Why are we seeing all these polls right now? Two years of trashing the president of the United States. Two years of lying about him being a criminal, that he should be indicted, that he should be impeached, that he's not following the law, that he's Hitler and Stalin and a dictator— Two years of this endless propaganda on 95% of the so-called news platforms out there. Oh, look at this. He's not beating Biden in Pennsylvania. He hasn't even geared up yet. This president has to run not just against the Democrats. He has to run against the media. He hasn't even geared up yet. They've been at this from day one, since before he was elected the first time. Look at the polls. You have Frank Luntz out there. Trump can't win Pennsylvania. How the hell does Frank Luntz know? They were all wrong before he won Pennsylvania. Oh, did I mention Michigan, Wisconsin, and a whole bunch of other states they said he couldn't win? I don't know what's going to happen, but why are they pushing these pseudo events? Polls this early, polls this early are phony events. They're phony events. They're pseudo-events. So they manufacture news. Look at this. Oh, my God. What's that guy, that mayor's name? The Buddha what? What the hell is it? Buddha Judge. Pete. Pete Buddha Judge. Look at this. Pete Buddha Judge can beat uh, so-and-so and and I. Who cares? Who cares? Look at this. Beto. 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 Beto, Beto, Beto! They had him up there. Oh, he was going to beat everybody. No. Then he gets a filling done, and then he gets his hair cut. What the hell? This guy's a schmo. You got Elizabeth Warren lied on her application to law school. Oh yes, yes, I'm a Native American. Uh, yes, yes, I am Native American. She looks like uh, an ancestor from uh, from the Vikings. No, 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 no. She looks like she's Scandinavian. No, 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 I'm a Native American. And now we know she's barely any kind of an American. They took the DNA. you know what they found? Red. Red through and through. Oh, look at this poll Biden's beating uh, beating Bernie Sanders uh, with all with all due respect. The only two people I mean, Biden's beating Bernie Sanders is is this is this a comedy hour? I mean and and uh, Bernie Sanders lost to Hillary Clinton. Where do they get these people from? Biden, the dumbest man to ever serve in the United States Senate? And then the dumbest man to ever be vice president? That's saying something. Jobs. Three letters. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Oh, there's our guy. Joe Biden. Joe Sixpack. Sixpack? Joe Lunchbox Joe. Joe never carried a lunchbox. Oh, Lunchbox Joe. Because they manufacture this persona. That he's one of the blue-collar guys. How so? Exactly how is Joe Biden a blue-collar guy? I want to know. Always supports the unions. How so? Unemployment is through the roof under Donald Trump. It was through the toilet under Biden and Obama. And by the way, my blue-collar friends, union and non-union, how does an open border with endless aliens coming into this country, taking the jobs from Americans, how is that supporting unions? How is that supporting blue-collar jobs? I don't get this. Or backing these radical environmentalists, these Green New Deal movement types that will destroy construction in this country, destroy trucking in this country, destroy assembly lines in this country. How does that support blue-collar workers? At some point, somebody in the Democrat Party media... May want to ask Joe Biden those questions because they try and pull together these disparate parts of their party in order to create a united party. But there's an article here, it's actually rather fascinating. U.S. journalism has become more subjective, a study. Oh, you don't say? By the Rand Corporation. So, the Rand Corporation. The Rand Corporation? No, not Rand Paul, the Rand Corporation. U.S. based journalism has gradually shifted away from objective news and offers more opinion based content that appeals to emotion and relies heavily on argumentation and advocacy. Couldn't do a new Rand Corporation report. Why do you think they released this three days ago? Honest to God, why do you think they released this three days ago and not two weeks from now? Because my book's coming out. And they know my book is right. But here's the problem with the Rand Corporation study. They don't have the guts to take it the next step. It's not just that the news is less objective and more subjective, the news is progressive, democrat, pushed by social activists dressed up as journalists. This they won't say. That's the fact. In a unique analysis on news discourse and presentation, research has found that the changes occurred over a 28-year period, 1989 to 2017, as journalism expanded beyond traditional media, such as newspapers and broadcast networks, to newer media, such as 24-hour cable channels and digital outlets. Notably, these measurable changes vary in extent and nature for different news platforms. It didn't begin 28 years ago. It began 100 years ago in the progressive movement. And it has evolved into something even worse. The progressives like to pretend that they're providing information, an elite handful of people, smarter than all the rest, providing information, objective information. But now that has been twisted. You have a handful of elites, yes, providing information because obviously you're too stupid to digest all this from a radicalized position. And every damn survey proves it. I'll be right back. Mark lobin. All right. What did you want me to do, Mr. Producer? All right. I'm with you. In 2000, measles... Well, they were officially declared effectively eliminated after a massive effort to vaccinate the public. Right now, there's an outbreak of measles in 22 states, and we are at risk of losing our elimination status. That's not all. In Los Angeles, they're having a typhus outbreak. You believe that? Along with a hepatitis A outbreak, which has also hit New Mexico, Ohio and Kentucky. And congratulations on your governor there in New Mexico. Your border is wide open and there's not a thing to stop people from coming in. Congratulations. Very humane. Now, Field of Greens makes no claim that it can cure or prevent any disease. But here's what we do know. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics and probiotics. Now, given the choice... I feel better going out in public after taking my field of greens. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com. That's brickhouse com, Or call 833-RING-BHN. Brand new toll-free number. Get 15% off your first order with the promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com. Or give them a call, 833 ring B-H-N promo code LEVIN now there's something very nefarious going on ladies and gentlemen with illegal immigration and it affects parts of Florida southern Florida the goal I believe is to turn Florida from red to blue you remember how close these elections are in Florida well we're going to have a good friend on this program Brian Mudd who's going to speak to us After the bottom of the hour break, you're not going to want to miss this. We'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side.
3: Octagon of Talk Radio, The Mike Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811.
0: Now let's admit it. We think that cybercrime is something that happens to other people. Now, you may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but we'd be wrong, wouldn't we? Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is exactly what they do. It's one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. And when you leave your Internet connection unencrypted, you know what that's like. might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. Now, that's why I personally decided to take action. To protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your Internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Express VPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, phone, and tablet. Using Express VPN, I can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having my personal data stolen. You can keep your privacy. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same Express VPN protection that I have. Now, Express VPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. Again, that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S VPN, expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. You know, I really like Brian Mudd. He's very, very sharp. He runs my show on WJNO, which is a terrific station. And uh, my parents used to always listen to my show on WJNO in South Florida. And as you know, Brian is one of our regular, outstanding uh, substitute hosts when I'm not available for one reason or another. Brian Mudd, how are you, my friend?
1: I tell you, it's uh, been a crazy day. One of those days where you start out doing what you do, and then you find out that, hey, we've got uh, some serious problems. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm doing great.
0: You mean you start out by eating a donut and drinking coffee?
3: <laughs> start
1: out eating a, a donut, uh, drinking coffee, and then finding out somewhere along the way that you've got a crisis on your hands.
0: Tell, tell us about this crisis.
1: All right. So here's the deal. Uh, you've done a great deal of background, and when I've had the opportunity to guest host for you, I've brought a lot of the background about how we have arrived at the extent of the border crisis that we're dealing with. You have organizations like Pueblos San Fronteras that fundraise in California. They get money. They go down to Guatemala and Honduras, and they organize these caravans. They help get them organized through Mexico. They give them index cards that coaches them as to what to say when they get to our border to game our system to try to get into the asylum process. Most recently, some of what they've been doing is radio. They've actually been advertising in countries like Guatemala and Honduras saying, hey, uh, we're going to at uh, this date be here, and we're going to get you to, hey, maybe a place like sunny South Florida. And this, of course, has not been getting reported in the mainstream news media. And it's all been coming together, and, and I had no idea to the extent that it had come together uh, right here in South Florida. So earlier today, I was still on the air. I'm, I'm on until noon, and uh, I received a note that I needed a, to get in, in touch with, uh, with a, a central uh, figure in government, uh, and, and so I did so after I got off air and was informed that there is a significant situation that was getting ready to happen next week uh, right here in, in Palm Beach County and in Broward, and the, the long and the short of it is, that about a week ago, plans had been made with the Border Patrol out of Miami to take some of these migrants, some of these illegals that are trying to game the asylum process that have been coached. They're going to take them from the southwest border, where the facilities are overrun, and they're going to fly them in 270 people at a time uh, to Broward, to Palm Beach County, bringing in approximately 500 and each county per month indefinitely.
0: Well, now that can change eventually the political makeup of Florida, couldn't
1: it? Oh, it's absolutely no question. I mean, take a look at Florida 2000. How many votes ended up, uh, you know, deciding the Florida and, and ultimately the presidential election? You're talking about, uh, you know, a little more than 500. But even above and beyond that, the, the lay of the land down here. What you're talking about, literally, if you're familiar with Mar-a-Lago, president's home down here two miles north along the Intracoastal is the port of palm beach what they're going to do is fly these people into that port they're going to check them in they're going to give them a notice that says hey you have a court date i don't know six months out however it's long it's taking to try to process asylum cases and and that's it you're out there on your own now we don't know where these people are from they don't have documentation we, we don't have any clue of their health situation. We got a hepatitis situation down here. I mean, there's no tell- and, and so now they're left in society. So I, I, I'm not sure exactly what we're supposed to do, or the safety, uh, either from a, a health standpoint, or uh, frankly, what do people without resources that are in a foreign place inclined to do?
0: Actually, why? Why, people- why? The border patrol is doing this.
1: Is this the border patrol? And Do we know the or, the
0: person in charge of this decision?
1: Uh, I don't have the specific person who pulled the trigger on this. Um, one thing I can tell you, and the reason that I was contacted along with uh, Senators Scott and Rubio and our, our Governor Ron DeSantis today, is that um, other news media was not trusted to handle this information responsibly. Um, And and this is part of the problem. We had the president unveil his immigration plan today. You see all kinds of false reporting going on all over the place in South Florida to the extent of seeing it nationally. It's falsely reported there. People are trying to conflate this with the president's immigration plan. The president of the United States, I am greater than 90 percent certain, has no idea this is happening. In fact, part of what I've been attempting to do today is to get to the president because there is a strong belief that he does not know. Our governor did not know. Our senators did not know. And part, and, of what- and
0: what you want him to know is that decisions are making being made at the bureaucratic level to move illegal aliens from the southwest where they enter the country into southern Florida. Correct?
1: One hundred percent. One hundred. And I cannot
0: believe that that is an innocent decision without any political consideration. I can't believe it.
1: And, and let me give you an idea on how I. And I've almost completely uh, put these pieces together. But here's the, what it looks like. If you're familiar, you know all of our politics down here is, is nationalized. So you know, to the extent that you're familiar with Palm Beach, Broward, and Miami-Dade counties, you know that generally they are left-leaning counties. There's a big but to that. The politics of each county are a fair amount different. For example, Miami-Dade, while it is the largest and technically the most blue because of the most Democrats in the state, it actually has a Republican mayor of the county, and the politics are not progressive liberal politics uh, the way they are, say, in a Broward, and to a certain extent, Palm Beach. There was a calculus that appears to have been made because this was the Border Patrol in Miami. That much, I know definitively, that was coordinating this over the past week. Border Patrol in the Miami, it would have been very easy to go to the most populous county right there in their own backyard if they were going to do this, and politics wasn't a consideration. So here you have Democrats that happened to be the sheriffs and run the county in both Broward and Palm Beach counties that were chosen. And I believe that uh, there was a calculus made that they could get this done, get this going without anybody knowing, uh, because they could trust the officials on the ground to do their bidding. But what I will tell you is that even though we have Democrats here, there are some good people that believe in the rule of law above their own political party, know that they could trust me and and put these pieces together, help get the word out, and responsibly try to stop this before it starts next week.
0: Mm-hmm. This also explains why the Democrats are in no hurry to secure the border, doesn't it?
1: Oh, my, it, it is mind-boggling. Uh, it, it drives me nuts. We had uh, you know, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We happen to have her down here in Broward. And uh, Donna Shalala and uh, Debbie Merckxell Powell, another Democrat down here. They, the Homestead Detention Center, which is where the, the kids go, the minors, because you can't house – minors with adults for six months so that's uh one of the overflow facilities is down here they go down there to the facility and they want investigations of the facility i want to shut the damn thing down and and the way we do that is by actually solving the problem because if we solve the border crisis if we don't have a crush of illegal immigrants coming into this country you don't have to worry about overflow facilities for children like the homestead facility but no they want the political issue they want to complain and then they want to try to say that this is donald trump's plan it's bullcrap
0: All right, Brian Mudd, you've now gotten it out nationally. We'll see how this lands.
1: God bless you, my friend.
0: You too. Thank you. Be well. Be well. All these nefarious things going on behind our backs, we the people have no say. We don't even have knowledge of what's taking place. I mean, Brian was tipped off about this. So they're now going to start moving illegal aliens out of the southwest and in the southern Florida. That is a key state. A Republican cannot win the presidency if they lose Florida. The math doesn't work anymore. And Florida has been getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Have you noticed? So this is the calculation. Well, Mark, illegal aliens can't vote. Well, apparently some of them do. But the Democrats are playing for the long game. Their children will be able to vote. That is if they're born here in the United States. Unless that's changed too. And right now, it's not changed. And I have to say this about the president's plan. The president doesn't say that he's addressing every single aspect of immigration. That's not what he's saying. (coughs) He's trying to address a part of it. And I like the idea of emphasizing merit over chain migration. Of our... Administration having some say on who comes here based on what their educational backgrounds are, their experiential backgrounds are, their their work backgrounds are, or what kind of students they are. That is a big change. That's an important change. That reverses part of the decision in 1965 during the Great Society to move it back towards a merit-based system. Yes, we have a problem with illegal immigration, but notice he's not proposing amnesty at all. And in terms of deportations and so forth, they are trying to increase deportations. They're trying to build a wall. I don't understand why he's under attack. I really don't. I look at this stuff and I think to myself, he's not the problem. The Democrats are the problem. He's not the problem. The Mitt Romneys are the problem. Why do we keep trashing him over this? He's not giving out amnesty. He's not ending deportations. He's trying to get a wall built. You got guys undermining him, including people on radio and TV who say they're conservatives. All of a sudden, a statute that's been perfectly fine and used over 50 times by other presidents, is unconstitutional. All of a sudden, the word "merit," according to Nancy Pelosi and others, is a curse word. And so he's trying to return to a merit-based immigration system. He didn't say he's addressing the whole thing. He can't address the whole thing right now. He can't get anything through the Congress right now. Then you have Lindsey Graham, who's really doing a good job, too. It's amazing how he's working now that he's not under the spell of McCain. It really is. And here's a great proposal out there. Look, you want refugee status? You can apply for it, but not in the United States. You can apply for it from your own country or from Mexico, because we don't have enough detention centers. We don't have enough administrative law judges. And the Democrats attack that. While they're complaining about separating children from parents. While they're complaining about now the human catastrophe that's taking place on the southern border. Which just a few months ago said they, they said it was manufactured. These are actual positive proposals to do something. To do something about this. I would love to know. Where do they get the planes to fly these people across the United States? Where do they get the planes? The airlines, I guess? They have to pay the airlines to do this? By the way, do you get a, a, a can of Coke or just a, uh, just a cup of Coke? Uh, uh, do, you, do you get pretzels or, do you, or, or can you choose something else you might want? I want to tell you about the Media Research Center. Brent Bozell and the Media Research Center have put together a pretty amazing trip this September. They booked a cruise to the Mediterranean. And a lot of people, including many people from this audience, have already signed up to join them. The speaker lineup is top-notch, and it just got even better. They already had Brent plus Alan West, Cal Thomas, Jason Chavitz, Joe Piscopo. In other words, it's going to be very thoughtful and a lot of fun. And many others. And particularly now they've signed up the Honorable James Buckley. James Buckley. Brother of the late Bill Buckley. James Buckley, elected to the United States Senate from New York from the Conservative Party. A former appellate judge. A former top State Department official in the Reagan administration. Brilliant man. He's written wonderful books. He will be on this trip, too, and you'll be able to talk to him and get a lot of incredible information from him. He's an extraordinary individual. I strongly recommend you go to mrcruise.com right now. Read Judge Buckley's bio. Then book yourself a cabin. Give yourself a present. Take a break with like-minded patriotic Americans. And these cabins do sell out, and they're going to sell out soon. You can also call 888-MRC-TRIP, 888-MRC-TRIP, and get all your questions answered. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Well, it wouldn't be Thursday if we didn't have a cut by Little Dick Durbin, the great state of Illinois. Land of Lincoln, land of Little Dick Durbin. He's on MSLSD. Now, MSLSD, CNN, these are the mouthpieces for the Democrat Party along with the vast majority of the rest of the media. And after you read Unfreedom of the Press, you will never look at the media again the same way. You just won't. You won't. Cut 15, go. Senator Durbin, I, I guess I'd like to start right there. By the way, that is Mika Brzezinski of the famous Brzezinski family. High Wire Act. Go ahead. Senator Durbin, I, I guess I'd like to start right there. Very seriously, has um, has there ever been a situation where subpoenas are just run over? All right, stop. See, this is a very inquisitive person. So... uh Senator Durbin, uh, have there ever been a situation like this where you had this sleazy, good-for-nothing, you-know-what in the White House telling you no to your subpoenas? What do you think of that, Senator Durbin? Go ahead.
2: Where the White House just says, no, we won't comply. Where, what happens after this, and what's the precedent for it?
0: What happens? You guys going to impeach? What are you waiting for? And what's the, what's the precedent for this? Come on, get on with it, get on with it, get on with it. Little Dick, go ahead.
1: At this point, the question is the accountability of this president or any president under our
0: Constitution. Well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. The accountability is the American people, ultimately. The president doesn't report to the House of Representatives. This is one of the concerns the framers of the Constitution had. They thought they made it clear, but... You know, you're dealing here with people who are not virtuous and, quite frankly, are in the negative IQ category. So and what, what, what happens? Who is he going to be accountable to? He's accountable to the American people ultimately. But he's not accountable to Nadler and Schiff and the other, uh, re, uh, you know, miscreants and malcontents who put out these phony subpoenas. Here's a question. Why doesn't Mika Brzezinski read some of these subpoenas? out loud to their audience. We know most of their audience can't read, so read it out loud. Read the subpoenas that have been issued by Elijah Cummings, who, of course, married the two of them at the National Archives. They don't mention that. Read those subpoenas. They are outrageous. Read the subpoenas Nadler put out there for the entire report that would force the Attorney General of the United States to actually violate a federal statute. Read some of these subpoenas where Maxine Waters has asked for The bank account information of the president of the United States. Read those subpoenas out loud so we know exactly what we're talking about here. It's an outrage what they're trying to do to this president and, frankly, to our constitutional system. I'll be right back. 833-RING-BHN Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN That's Brickhouse L E V I N dot com or call 833-RING-BHN promo code LEVIN He's here
1: He's here Casting them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our
0: leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. And our number is 877 381 3811. 877 381 3811. I'm at the mothership, WABC. And I bumped into an old-time dear friend of mine, John Batchelor, who's looking good, who's looking dapper, makes us all look quite not so much. My beautiful wife is with
2: us, too, Julie. John, how are you? I am extremely pleased to be sitting here with this beautiful couple. Well, thank you very much. John, I want to ask you a question. You're a
0: very smart guy. You watch politics. You look at the culture. You've talked to over your career, thousands of people, authors and so forth. We have a pretty brutal election coming up. Now, I need a calculus to figure out how many Democrats are running for office. Uh, and frankly, I need a uh, Google to figure out who half of them are. Right now, it's way too early, but right now, how do you think things are shaping out?
2: I'm told, Mark, and good evening to you and good evening to Julie. I'm told, Mark, that it will not be Biden. Hmm. That's not a candidate. But repeatedly, and you know I speak to a wide variety of temperaments. We don't need to name them all. There are all these silos now and everybody's standing apart from everybody else. Not be Biden. No one's come forward and said Biden's the man. I don't know why. The polls tell us that. The Democrats are looking for someone to win Pennsylvania. So logic says it's Biden. But I'm told it will not be Biden. It's the mysteries of the Democratic Party. They must fall in love with their candidate. And I guess right now uh, this is a reluctance we're hearing from those who who judge the Democratic Party. They're reluctant to fall in love with Joe Biden. Is part of the reason that Barack
0: Obama won't come out and embrace him? I'm also told.
2: Just us, right, Mark?
0: Just us and and 8.5 million people.
2: I'm also told that President Obama much favors Beto O'Rourke. Why? I'm told, it might be an anecdote, might be disinformation, but I like the story. I'm told that Barack Obama believes that Beto reminds him of, of when he first started in politics, when he first started on the national stage. That His fluidity, his engagement, his ability to gather large audiences. That's what I'm told. Now, the numbers don't show it, But then again, Mr. Obama hasn't weighed in here. And his staff has not committed themselves to Joe Biden. We were told that the other day in a news report. So it is possible that the ultimate winner of the Democratic nomination will emerge from the pack and will not be the leadership. Look at the um, 23 candidates, 24 candidates. 24, I I believe with Mr. de Blasio, it's 24. Is he a real
0: candidate? yes with Mr. de Blasio 24, and they're going to wind up at this Democrat convention.
2: And I don't think anybody's going to have a majority of those delegates going in. Uh, that is possible. They did change the rules. Are the Democrats aware that you changed the rules again?
0: So you could have a hell of a battle
2: at that the convention. The superdelegates vote on the second ballot. Mm-hmm. And we can expect to get a nominee on the second ballot. On the first ballot, because the, the primaries are proportional, It'll be, it's not winner-take-all, you get the majority, you win or take all, or you get the plurality. That means that there's going to be a mixed pattern of, of votes going in even to the big states of Pennsylvania and Texas, which come somewhat later. I don't want to get too geeky on this, but I talked to somebody the other day who has all this information and for some reason it's stuck in my brain that we're not going to get an easy road for the nominee. However, Mark, let us speak of the man who will win the 2020 election that would be Donald J. Trump and his economy. That's the winner. Not the, not the peculiar interpretation of the Judiciary Committee right now that the Attorney General is in contempt of Congress. Not the pursuit of Donald J. Trump beyond reason over the hoax of, of Russiagate. What will win the election is the pocketbook. Americans are satisfied. I'm, one more detail they throw these things at me, Mark, and you dragged me in. You didn't drag me in. You invited me in here, and I was just doing my homework for the show. A 5% swing of the white college graduates from 2018 to 2020 wins the election for Donald Trump. That's how thin the margin is for the Democrats. 5% swing. The Democrats convinced them to vote Democratic in 2018, hence their victory. But Pulling that group back to the Republican side is not a hard task. We speak to them every day, Mark. Mm-hmm. Five, we went to school with them. We are them. <laughs> That's who
0: we are. What, I keep hearing about suburban women, mm-hmm. that Trump has to win
2: suburban women. What about that? I didn't get a breakdown on gender. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are moms and dads. They live well. Uh, their children are well-educated. They're extremely sensitive to the economy. If dad has a job and the children have a job, they're not going to take risks. Is that, is that right or are
0: they going to figure we're in pretty good shape? You know, I like candidate X.
2: Let's give that a try. I hear that too. Yes, I know. But isn't that the British thing where they uh, lie to the pollster and tell the truth in the in the voting booth? I, we uh, saw that last time, didn't America we? America is very consistent. It votes its pocketbook. It's very conservative when it comes to the polling. And if you have a job and you have prospects and your family is doing well, why would you risk that because of CNN? Why would you do that? Now, the Democrats will do well, Mark. They will do very well. But uh, can they win the important voting public that we've identified? I don't know. Can Joe Biden do it? What's, what, what's your impression of Joe Biden this time, this version of Joe Biden? I watched Joe Biden, and I see an old man. Mm-hmm. About,
0: uh, what was it, Julie, two months ago, I was on the Acela train coming to New York. And yes, guess I, who
2: came on the train? I, I heard that story. It's a wonderful story. Joe Biden. You and were, and you Dr. Were, Biden. You were so bold to go <laughs> up to the vice president. I I thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen? It was hilarious. I never would have done this. In fact, I would have left the car if you were doing this. I'm going to the cafe. I I had
0: no choice. No, I was going to the restroom. I I had no choice. I had to make a U-turn. He was sitting there, and our eyes met. And I put out my hand and shook his hand. I said, uh, hello, Mr. Vice President. And he said, you're a smartass. He did get snarky right away. Immediately. And then... I said, all I wanted to tell you is why are you traveling alone? Don't you think you ought to have some protection? I was quite serious.
2: This is before I became a candidate.
0: Yes. Right. And, uh, and I was leaving and he said, hey. I said, yeah. He said, thank you. And that was that. It was a non-event. But I looked at him. He looked old. Um, when you look at him on the, uh, at these various interviews, he's on the stump. He looks old. He's mumbling. He's slurring his words. I'll be interested to see how well he can do in a long, hard campaign fighting, you know, 412 other candidates in the Democrat primary. And they're starting to attack him.
2: Yes. Uh, you saw the Intercept article at the beginning of May about Hunter Biden and China and followed by a Politico, I believe, Hunter Biden and Ukraine. Two hits. And the vice president reacted sharply to the attacks. I am not I'm not so impressed with the Republican oppo that I think that was a Republican hit. I think that was a Democratic hit. Mm -hmm. And the question – it's a fun game. It's a fun game. Who benefits from it? As long as you're not in it. (laughs) Who who benefits from a hit on the vice president at this date? I don't know the answer to that. But it's certainly what – Bernie Sanders is capable. He's got a first-rate operation. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is capable, but I don't think she thinks oppo. I don't know. Uh, Hunter Biden is a vulnerability. They're going to have to deal with that.
0: Do you think there's anything to this Bernie Sanders campaign? Yes. Yes. Do you think once the American people understand seriously how radical he is, you know, he comes across fine, he's not really challenged,
2: that he would be a serious contender in a general election? Yes, I do. Why is that? Uh, Because he has uh, effectively... Signal that socialism is an acceptable topic for debate and he can filibuster the topic. We understand socialism. We grew up in the 20th century with the threat of the monsters. But it's been 25 years and history teaching is, is not... is not... It, it, it has fallen away mm-hmm. from a primary concern for the secondary schools of America. So the the two great crimes of the 20th century, the Holocaust and the gulag, the young people don't know it, Mark. It's, it's surprising, and that's how they make mistakes the way they do with BDS. They do not know what it's connected to. And so I think socialism is, is equally turned into this acceptable conduct or acceptable debate. As Well, Bernie Sanders, he tells you what he's going to do. We're going to create an economy That works for all of America and not the 1%. Create an economy. Isn't that a polite way of saying, I'm going to take charge and the heck with the Constitution? But he sells it. So I think he's credible. I don't know that he'll be the nominee. But I think he's going to be ferocious on the campaign. The media is out of control. Your book says so. And I knew that before
0: your book was published. (laughs) But you don't know everything that's in my book. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it will have
2: an influence in this election? I think that the, the opposition right now is no longer listening to us. I don't think they're listening. I think they've committed themselves each day to an attack on Donald Trump. They're not listening to what we're saying. They're not even listening to us when we tell them that, that Donald Trump has people supporting him who dislike you, and that's why they're supporting Donald Trump. I don't think they're listening, Mark. I don't think they're listening to what you're telling them. I don't think they understand. These are my colleagues. Um, For years, I interviewed the New York Times, routinely. Reporters loved it. It's become very difficult to do that now. They're no longer so available. It's, it's, It's that kind of partisanship here in New York. I think the press is destroying itself. I think half the country doesn't
0: trust the press. I think the vast majority of Republicans conservatives don't trust the press. People say, well, so what? They're not an elected you know, body or anything of the sort. No, but technology is changing the media. You know, The Washington Post had to be saved by Amazon and by Mr. Bezos. The New York Times had to be saved by a Mexican telecom billionaire. Right. Um, these entities are in financial trouble. CNN is getting killed in the ratings. MSNBC is hanging in there, but you know after Donald Trump leaves, uh, they will be a bad carbon footprint memory. So I see a huge change that's going to take place in the media because the media doesn't believe in circumspection. The
2: boomers have moved on. They're no longer in charge. I'm my group. We've moved on. All right. The Gen Xers are now running major media decisions at the networks, at the cables, at the New York Times. The millennials are the ground troops coming in. Okay, generational changeover. Good. I believe they're all waiting for the results of twenty twenty. I think that that's the change will come after that. If America votes its pocketbook, Donald Trump will be reelected, probably reelected with much the same numbers he had in twenty sixteen. And at that point, the corporations, the boards, the stockholders will have to make a decision because. That will—that is the vote. That one right there will endorse these last years of success for the Trump administration, and that he has been battered by either the hoaxers of RussiaGate or, as you put correctly, um, the uh, the uh, the media that's decided it must remove the president. It's made that decision.
0: I only have a minute or two. Mm-hmm. How long ago did we first talk to each other on the radio when
2: you were a host and I was a guest of yours? It's a long time. It was before 16 so I'm not held responsible for that. (laughs) (laughs) It was early and you and I were both feeling our way as to what to do on the radio because neither of us were trained this way. Uh, And I remember thinking at the time, you, you you made a funny remark to me. You said we were sitting across each other. I don't know what it was in an event. And he said, "And he said, all I do is what he said something. It was something funny. All I do is snap at people, <laughs> something like that. I don't remember this. Was, this was early Levin right? Early, and I thought to myself, no, you actually, whenever the subject would center on things that we really care about passionately, such as the Middle East, you would not snap at anybody. And uh, but I, that that I have a clear image of. Do you remember saying that to me? All I do is snap at people. All I, I don't bark, remember. Really. Uh, all I do is bark at people. I don't, I don't remember like that. But those were the early days when people would call up and try to bait you. Uh, that doesn't happen so much anymore. Well, John, it's been a pleasure. It's good to see you again. I'm glad you're in good health right now. I am in good health. Thank you, Mark. And it's been an ordeal. Yeah. And I'm thankful for the best health care system on the planet. Amen. Please do not touch it. You and I both know. Yes. yes. We count on that. Much oh, love in. Take that away. We'll find it. And yeah, we're so thrilled that you're doing better. Thank you. And thank you both. Lovin.
0: I love this song. You familiar with this song, honey? Listen to this. It's a great song. I don't even know what she's saying. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. My buddy... And he is a dear friend. Hillsdale College president Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's, you know how to pronounce this, Mr. Producer? Nicomachean Ethics. Just testing it. And a new free online course for Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. So register for this free course Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for And in just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. Now, if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinfrahillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N dot Hillsdale.com. Now, don't forget, right after the bottom of the hour, we have Don Jr. Don Jr. will be a guest. He's actually quite fascinating. I never talked to him before, not in private, not in public. And he was still wondering, you know, Don Jr., uh, when did you begin backing my dad again? Uh, Like before the general election? But anyway, uh, (laughs) he's a lot like his dad. Last time I saw his dad uh, was some months ago. And the president is hilarious. He's kind. He's generous. He's charismatic. He's all those things. And you'll never know it watching cnn or msnbc or reading any of these phony newspapers but he jokes with me now and then too he says i'm trying to remember who'd you back in the primary He said now mr president ladies and gentlemen don't forget after the bottom of the hour don jr don't forget during the break go to amazon.com see if you can order yourself a copy of unfreedom of the press i'll be right back
1: as hell
0: that's why i like mark levin and i'm not sure a lot of people like him he's tough as hell but i like him i love him call in now (laughs)
2: 877-381-3811
0: we played that specifically for my next guest who i've never talked to before who i've never met before but who i've admired from afar donald trump jr how are you sir
3: i'm doing well mark good to speak to you
0: it's a great pleasure how are you doing
3: You know, (laughs) it's been an interesting few weeks, but, uh, you know, all good. You'd think I'd be done with this stuff, but uh, they they got to keep it alive.
0: And what is that all about? You know, uh, you can tell me within limits, I suppose. What what is it all about? What is it that they want from you? They want an ounce of blood? What is it?
3: You know what? I I assume so. You know, I I can't honestly quite get it at this point. I mean, it was one thing, you know, two years ago, happy to help, as I did. Uh, You know, I think I probably gave more voluntary testimony than anyone anyone around, uh, and I was happy to do so. Uh, after and post Mueller, uh, it's sort of hard to believe we're still having this conversation. Uh, you know, I, I imagine it's people you know bowing to Democrat pressure because you know they're hoping I go in there and maybe perjure myself. I mean, you know, when you really think about it, and that's why you know there have been people that have been great about it. Lindsey Graham, everyone, yeah, just go in and play the fifth. The, the only problem is, and you could you understand this as a lawyer, that's a hundred percent the right move. That's the right move. It's the safest. There's no real consequence. You go, you move on. As Donald Trump Jr., it's not so easy, right, mm-hmm. because you know, mm-hmm. the, the majority, vast majority uh, liberal media would sit there, oh, yeah, that means he's guilty. Wait, so wait a minute. I've given almost 30 hours of testimony, 30,000 pages of documents, been cooperative for three years on the witch hunt, been totally cleared by Mueller, but I'm, I'm still, you know, because of that, because of a legal strategy, it, it gets used against you. you know, if I'm Joe Schmo, it doesn't matter. Um, when you're me, uh, it, it becomes problematic. And, you know, that's what's crazy. So when I hear, well, we're bringing you back because your testimony conflicts with that of what Michael Cohen has recently said, I said, okay, well, you mean Michael Cohen, who's been convicted of lying to this very body? <laughs> uh, my, my, Michael Cohen, who's currently sitting in federal penitentiary uh, for multiple frauds as well as for lying to this committee and perjury? or uh or the Michael Cohen who's actually been thrown back in front of the DOJ for lying yet again in his public testimony a few weeks ago which one or all, you know that's the guy uh so it it is sort of hard to believe uh but you know uh, and it, it what's been great is just the support I've gotten from so many of the republicans even the republicans on that committee uh you know th- uh you know that's been awesome I I look forward to uh fighting hard for them in 2020 uh, and and it 's going to be great, but yeah listen, I imagine it 's you know certain people that are just you know perhaps a little you know not quite strong enough to stand up to their Democrats uh you know in that committee and you know when I initially testified there uh in front of the Senate Intel, I did actually think it was the least biased of the of the committees i mean it was it it was very professional, but I think a lot of that changed uh sort of immediately. Uh, immediately when you know, numerous members of that committee on the other side started running for president, right? So uh, it, there is definitely some bias there. I'm not exactly sure what they're looking to accomplish, because don't forget, the Mueller report literally cites my congressional testimony. It literally cites my House testimony. It literally cites my Senate testimony. It cites my tweets. I mean, that is about as comprehensive as it gets. You would think that the nineteen Hillary supporting uh, you know leftist lawyers that were on that committee, like Donald Trump jr.s a pretty big that's a pretty big fish to catch. They, they would have done anything to, to throw me in jail or to try to get me to purge about or to do, try to do something. Uh, And yet I'm fully cleared. So it it is a little bit ridiculous, you know, that I'm going back. But, again, I I, I do appreciate all those Republicans who oftentimes broke with convention and said this is insane uh, that he's got to do this. And, you know, I look forward to, you know, fighting with them in 2020.
0: Donald Trump Jr., when you – when your father got into this, did you ever expect that he would be treated like this but you would be treated like this?
3: Well, listen, you know, I I, I sort of – We always expect something. I mean, my father's not naive. He understood fully what he was getting into. He was willing to do that anyway. Uh, He, of all people, was the last person that needed this job, but he was one of the few that could actually probably get it done. Uh, So, you know, I I always remember sort of the interesting thing when we were getting in the elevator uh, that fateful day on uh, June sixteenth, 2015. And he looks at me, he goes, now we find out who our real friends are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he was 100% right, because he knew. Uh, you know, people would just fold. People would give up. People would take the other side. I mean, I saw that myself, right during the campaign. I'd, I'd get texts from friends, "Hey, Don, I love what you guys are doing. It's you know, you're sticking it to the establishment." You know, then I look on their Facebook page. Oh my God, I can't believe you know the pearl clutching, you know, <laughs> for their friends. Uh, you know, and that's because hey, what's, I'm from New York City. It's not like I don't have liberal friends that you know may not to- they may totally disagree with me on politics, but they're still friends. But at least they're honest about it uh you know it's sort of the phonies that try to have the best of all worlds uh those are the guys i actually have much less respect in uh and so you know i don't think we went into this naive to the fact that it would be brutal but i don't think we've seen anything like this in american history uh you know, a, a couple people question. You know, Hunter Biden magically getting 1.5 billion dollars from China as a first-time hedge funder when some of the biggest hedge funds in the world can't get any money out of China. Uh, when, when Joe Biden's VP Biden says, "Oh, it's outrageous. This is a personal attack on my son." Yada, yada, yada. And everyone's like, "Oh, that's it. That, we won't even talk about this anymore." Uh, you know, if I put if I took 1.2 dollars uh, from China. Uh, it, it would be world news, and so you know there is a double standard. We've grown accustomed to it, and you know we're fighters. We like to fight.
0: Do you think one day you might run for office?
3: <laughs> this is the question that always gets me in trouble because you know I never want to rule anything out. Because in today's world of you know sound bites and you know everything's uh, it, it, transcribed for the future use against you, you know I've enjoyed uh, politics. I've enjoyed fighting uh, for what my father's doing. I'm seeing the results. Uh, You know, I'm not just the son of a billionaire from New York. It's sort of my hobbies, you know, the outdoor stuff that I do, you know, shooting competitively, hunting, fishing, you know, has taken me to middle America for my whole life. So I have real friends in those places. I see the difference it's making for them. Uh, I see the progress that we're making. I see sort of the pushback on Sort of the nonsense PC culture that has, you know, grown so rampant uh, and stymied any sort of thought of free speech or just even conversation at this point And saying, "Man, we're, we're doing incredible things." When I look at, you know, the economy, uh, there's literally not a single. And I've done this on college campuses where there's half a full, you know, half the rooms full of haters. You know, just name me an economic metric where we are not better off today than we were three years ago under mm-hmm. Obama. Silence, even from the haters, because they can't do it. So you know, I see that we're winning. I know that it's not going to be easy. I'm happy to be in the fight. Uh, you know, and I do enjoy the fight. You know, I, I've loved. You know, the, the campaign. And let let, t- let me
0: let me tell term. you something. We've never met. I like you. Well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm listening to you. I like you. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Mayor DeCamio uh, wants to run for president. What do you think of that?
3: Well, listen it's obviously a pr stunt i don't know if you follow me on twitter or uh, you know on instagram i you know i put some videos of some of the great successes he's had like the garbage <laughs> strewn all over 5th avenue yesterday morning i mean listen the problem is you know if you're a liberal you don't have to have a good track record they'll they'll the media will stand up to you it doesn't matter they'll just you know put you out there this is wonderful i mean this has been a disastrous mayorship Uh, You know, I'm a lifelong resident of New York City, uh, and I see it. Uh, Rudy Giuliani did a great job fixing up this city, bringing it sort of back from the dead. Uh, Bloomberg, and you know, while I may have plenty of differences with him, you know, he at least maintained that, uh, and it stayed the same. But what's going on now uh, is, is disgusting. And you know, Bill de Blasio is you know, a little bit too worried about trying to be a social justice warrior, amassing huge crowds of three to four people uh, in the primary states that are likely there for the free food. Uh, and even most of those guys are probably staying away that he can't keep the subways running on time. It's, you know, I think before you run for presidency, you should actually have track record you should actually have accomplished something not failed uh you know it, it doesn't seem like failure would be a great stepping stone uh for the presidency but you know again if you're a democrat you can get away with anything these days you know my father at least had a track record in business he changed the skyline of new york city uh, you know bill de blasio's turned it into a garbage strewn landscape probably <laughs> not something we want to turn the rest of america into but hey look at all the liberal run cities they're all sort of that way
0: much like san francisco the speaker's hometown
3: yeah no, it's a, it's a disaster, I mean, and you you see it i mean you know you you have even locals finally pushing back on this thing look at look at just the ratio uh, that Bill de Blasio got on his announcement today. I mean people are laughing about it 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 's a joke, but you know what it's it's a launching pad to be able to write you know another book. Uh, to do something else, uh, he, he's he's there with a few of these guys, uh, you know, clamoring for the PR vote, hoping to scrape by, uh, you know, to get the 0.01% required to stay in until the next debate. I mean, uh, it, it's laughable, but, you know, this is the nature of the system.
0: Now, one of your bugaboos is what these high-tech companies are doing in terms of free speech, right?
3: Well, 100%. I mean, I, I, I've been and seen, uh, you know, some of that stuff um You know, just firsthand. I mean, I had a post taken down from me a few months ago. You know, I I was one of the first guys sort of with a platform to be like, you know, to to at least question the Jesse Smollett thing. That, you know, that was just insanity to me. I'm saying, so wait a minute. And I questioned it out loud, sort of, you know, speaking. It wasn't spreading a theory or anything like that. I just said, you know, you mean to tell me that in February, on the coldest night of the year in Chicago – Two white guys wearing MAGA hats in you know in downtown Chicago. I mean that's like a, that's a good recipe to get shot. And <laughs> I, I said that too, and that was criticized. But I said you know if you made it through the opening four seconds without being killed, you mean to tell me that they waited on the coldest night of the year, wearing MAGA hats, carrying bleach and a noose, to attack a very wealthy actor? who also would be up at, you know, two to three in the morning and hungry and chose to go to Subway rather than order Seamless or one of the many options on the... I just said, it just seems weird. Uh, It seems weird that in all of the places that I've traveled, you know, during the campaign all over Middle America, during the uh, midterms, you know, I've never once heard uh, even the most ardent MAGA fan say, this is MAGA country. You know what they call it? They call it America, Mark. Yes. It's America. It's not MAGA country. Uh, and so I just said that. And I put it out. I go, it just seems weird. And then the whole story started to devolve. You know, I get this thing, Instagram, they took down my post and said, it hey, violates rules. I go, what did I do? I just, I asked a question. Uh, and the second I did that, I posted it back again, because I don't just, you know, take the silencing uh, with a grain of salt. I fight back. I got that gene. And uh, all of a sudden, these people, hundreds, and you know, just DMing me, Don, here's a picture, here's a video of me trying to like your post. The heart shows up and it disappeared. Heart shows up and it disappeared. Don, I've had to follow you seven times this week because I follow you. I, I log back out, I go back and check, I'm not following you anymore. Don, I got locked out of my account for 24 hours for trying to like your post or trying to like your father's post over and over again. I, just today I saw one. Uh, you know, one of the guys, he's a 2nd of the stuff oil letter. He, he's a Second Amendment guy. He, you know, he makes holsters for guns, just, you know, leather worker, right? He tried just posting a picture with me and, of him at the NRA show and doing it like a paid advertisement, and they wouldn't do it. There was no controversy in it. There was no politics in it. But these social media platforms wouldn't let him even pay to have a picture with me up on his site. So, you know, these guys are doing it, and they, you know, oh, it's the algorithm. Well, guess what? Humans control the algorithm. This is nonsense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting benefits from the government. They're getting protections from the government. They're getting freedom. This isn't, uh, you know, a free market deal. Uh, this is one where we're saying we're not going to serve you the same way as we will others because we don't believe in what you're saying, and that has to stop. That isn't right. That isn't American, and these guys have a lot of power. Hell, I mean, Facebook, you have even have Democrats calling to break them up at this point. Um, you know, that's how much power they wield, and they're usually wielding it for the Democrats. So uh, that goes to show you how much is out there, and it's a really scary thing. And, you know, I, I'm happy to be one of the guys pushing back because if they're silencing me, it seems like it's a dry run for 2020. How much? I'm not saying the message doesn't get out, but if the message just is supposed to be getting, hitting 100 people, it's only hitting 50, or if it's only hitting 30, and they're just shaving it off you know, in these races and in these states where that matters, you know, and basis points counts, mm-hmm. and you know, we win by 8,000 votes, uh, you, know, you really feel like you're, you could be influencing a lot of people, and it's just incredibly anti-American, and we can't let them get away with it.
0: Let me ask you one more question. Uh, Bernie Sanders, AOC, and these uh, folks are pushing this socialist agenda, this mm-hmm. Green New Deal. Uh, do you think the American people are going to support this?
3: Well, listen, hey, you, you know what? Like all things, the Democrats are good at one thing. They're good at marketing. Okay? Not so good with fact. Uh, not so good with numbers. Um, and, you know, the reality, I've rallied about the the Green New Deal, because like, it, it sounds so wonderful. Uh, you know, the only problem is, Mark, it costs $93 trillion dollars. Okay, the U.S. government takes in revenue, six, you know, six and change, trillion dollars a year. So let's just round it up and say in 15 years, if we did nothing other than eliminate farting cows and come up with some miracle transportation that <laughs> somehow doesn't use energy to get to Hawaii because we're eliminating all air travel, in 15 years we will have paid for the Green New Deal. Now, they say it will somehow pay for itself. I, they won't show any facts how that happens. So it's It's insanity. It's literally uh, just outright stupidity. But what's scary about it, Mark, is that the leading Democratic contenders for the presidency of the United States are all like, oh, this is wonderful, we have to get on board. They don't have the guts, the gumption, the willingness to even look into or fact-check a freshman congresswoman who two months ago didn't know what the three branches of government are. That should be scary to people. No, no, no. I mean, it sounds funny. I know it's you know, sick. It's funny if you're an alien and out of space looking, because you think this is a parody account of ourselves. But this is real. Yeah. It's actually going on. And so, for no one being willing to contest this freshman congresswoman who really didn't know anything, clearly doesn't know anything about economics, you know, talking about socialism as this wonderful system, you know, they, they rally against the national, you know, debt, uh, which Obama doubled. You know, and it's only twenty trillion dollars. That's a disaster. Obama added ten to it. It's now twenty, and now that's a total disaster. But ninety three on top of that mm-hmm. is great. I mean, these guys are gambling with our kids' futures, our grandkids' futures. You know, I watch. You know, who was it? Two weeks was it? Maxine Waters, or uh, you know, talking
0: about doesn't student matter. Debt. They all say the same yeah. thing. Be honest, but with they're
3: you. talking about student debt. Of course, it's a huge issue. She's asking the bankers. In public testimony, well, what are you doing about the problem, ma'am? You know, this is own 95, that debt's own 95% by the U.S. government. I mean, how do they not know that?
0: Don Jr., let me tell you this. I have to go or I keep you because you're fascinating to me. And uh, you're very substantive. And I really appreciate that. And we'd love to have you back another time.
3: Well, I look forward to doing it, Mark. You let me know and I'll be back.
0: All right, Don Jr., God bless. Take care of yourself. That was Donald Trump Jr. Boy, was he good? Or what? He knows his stuff. He's substitute. Now put him up against Chelsea Clinton. Or any of the Obama girls. I mean, seriously? We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Well, folks, I have to tell you, I've never talked to Don Jr. in my life. That was the first time, and I'm incredibly impressed. I really am, and there's something about this family and the way Donald Trump has raised his kids, and they are fighters, they are smart. Eric, Ivanka, I mean, these are really accomplished people. You might, well, they're daddy. Let me tell you something. You can be rich, and you can be accomplished, and you can have real you know, you know kids that have all kinds of drug problems or they're just uh, lazy or whatever. That's not the case here, I can tell you that. And they are fighters, and he is smart. And I was very impressed. You know what's annoying? The fact that break-ins are still happening in this country. You can't stop evil people from trying to do evil things. So what do you do? Protect your home. Protect your family. Because they're going to keep trying. And when they have a choice between a home that's protected with Simply Safe and another home, what do you think they're going to do? It's important to protect your home and family. That's why I always recommend the very best security system. At least that's my opinion. And that's Simply Safe Home Security. It's fantastic protection for your home that keeps working if the power goes out, if the Wi Fi goes down, even if a burglar smashes your keypad. They have some of the fastest response times in the industry, ready to send help 24 7 if there's an emergency. So maybe it's no big surprise that Simply Safe is the top choice security system for CNET, PC MAG, and more than 3 million Americans like me. Go to simplysafe.mark.com to learn more about Simply Safe. Order today to get free shipping on your system as well as sixty-day money-back guarantee. Simplysafe.mark.com, simplysafe.mark.com. We salute all you heroes out there, I want to strongly encourage you. Now's the time to go to Amazon.com. There's five days left. Order your copy of Unfreedom of the Press. God bless each and every one of you. See you tomorrow.